0: Join us as we talk about the frustration we experience as parents when others deny our child's autism diagnosis and assume it's simply misbehavior. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Hi, everyone. Welcome back yet again. Here we are. (laughs) Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that really gets on my nerves, but I I really try to keep my cool and I try to be like as polite as
1: possible. When your husband doesn't take out the trash.
0: No, 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 I don't need to be polite for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, No, we're talking about the topic of when people are out in public and you're with your child, and your child is perhaps having some sort of like sensory meltdown or a transition difficulty or something like that, and the public starts judging you essentially and saying that like your child is not autistic, they're just misbehaving, and you just just haven't disciplined your child well enough. There's a couple circumstances. There's like the public part of that But there's also that, like, internal family part where perhaps you disclosed your child's diagnosis to, like, your parent or cousin or something like that. And they don't believe you because to them, autism is something else, like Rain Man or whatever they saw on TV.
1: Right. Like, essentially, you didn't, like, parent the autism out of your child or something.
0: Well, it's like they don't believe the autism was there to begin with. So okay. Yeah. So, they see, like, autism as, like, an excuse for bad behavior or bad parenting. Hmm. That's a huge pet peeve.
1: I mean, I think we've all encountered this. I mean, I think of like family, just like small little comments that they make as far as like, oh, like they should try doing this and try and doing that. And it's kind of gotten to the point where I tell my family, because they're like, well, you never struggled with this when you were a child. And I just kind of turn to them and I'm like, well, that was a different situation than like what my kids are going through. They have additional struggles that I didn't have. So, I mean, I've gotten to the point of where I'm a little bit more blunt with like family where I basically just call it out and I'm like, well, they're autistic, like different sides <laughs> of the coin. I'm, I'm, what, do you, what else is there?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I have to say for me, <laughs> one of the most frustrating ones is with eating because there's a lot of like sensory issues or challenges with eating in our family. Our girls had both gone through feeding therapy. And so the one comment that always just grinds my gears is, Picky eaters. Or? well, no, the the one of like, I wouldn't have let my kids do that when they're a kid or my kids had to eat whatever I gave them. They didn't have a choice. And I'm like, it like implies like it's my parenting style that is preventing them from eating that I'm just too lax of a parent for letting them get away with not eating like normal foods. But I'm like, no, it's like they have an eating and food di- aversion. They've gone through feeding therapy. But
1: the interesting thing with that is it can be the exact same food we give them on any other typical day, but if we cut it differently, like I'm thinking of like, cause our girls love cheese, but if we cut cubes instead of having it shredded or we cut, or the them, as, as we cut them as rectangles, if they're slices, they will only like them a particular way, even if it's the exact same cheese. So, I mean, there are so many small little things that are kind of like factored in just to the eating component that we have to work with.
0: Yeah. And it's also things like not having foods touch each other, having certain textures, and just generally having kind of like a limited menu of like safe foods of like what they're willing to taste. They also aren't really willing to try new foods. Like you have to really trick them to be able to get them to try something new by making it fun or like tying it into something that they know they already like or maybe even sneaking it in. But even so, I have raised other kids for quite a while and I, I worked with like childcare for quite a while, several years, and I never experienced this level of challenge with foods with any other neurotypical kid. It's definitely not the same thing. And I can speak from personal experience as like somebody who has specific food related sensory adversity it is not something that you can just like control or be okay with. If you can't handle the texture, you literally truly would rather starve than put that in your mouth because it's such a like horrible sensation.
1: Now for, I would say friends and family, I feel like even if they know that your child is autistic, I feel like it's the difference between knowing that they're autistic and being able to like walk alongside with them in the journey. Because like we know that they're autistic and we walk every day the autistic path, more or less. But it's almost like they kinda or I feel like friends and family like sometimes like might forget and they'll be like, Well it's weird that they're not eating. They should be hungry. And it's like, well, think back. I mean, there's reasons for it.
0: (laughs) Well I think that part of that problem stems from the fact that a lot of people still don't really know what autism means. So even if they know that your child is autistic, they don't really grasp the concept of, like, what that means. Like.
1: Sure. I I was meaning more like friends and family who have hung out with us, essentially, who are aware that like our kids do have these struggles, but unless they're there like every day witnessing the struggles, they kind of might forget and be like, oh, it's not that bad kind of thing. Like when they do see them again, compared to like us where it's every day, multiple times a day, there's food on the floor and everywhere around.
0: Although that is also typical (laughs) (laughs) child behavior. (laughs) That's true. But no, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. It's really a matter of the more exposure you have to our children and the more you are around them, the more you see their day-to-day behavior and experiences, the more you understand what autism really means in practice because yeah, you can look it up on the internet, you can Google it, you can have me explain it to you, but until you've experienced it, like until you've witnessed it, you don't really understand what that means. So somebody might be like, oh, you just are a little bit picky with your food, that's fine, I'll just cut the crust off the bread and that'll make it better. And they don't realize that, no, that means that if that's not done in a particular way, it'll resort in a meltdown, which could last minutes to hours, like it just depending on your kid. It could mean that your kid goes hungry. It could mean that your kid perhaps does eat, but eats in a way that is considered atypical to the rest of us. Maybe they're eating things what we would consider weird, like when people put ketchup on their pickles, which <laughs> my kid did this morning. So but she ate it, though. Right? She did. She ate five pickles. <laughs> so, I'm happy about that it's because ch- I ch- mean... Chocolate as a word. Right. I don't think she's ever had that many pickles ever. So, I mean, whatever Floats their boat, right? So these are like the types of things that come up when people don't really understand an autism diagnosis. And like the negative side to that is, I don't know why, but people tend to just go quick to judge. Like they basically just assume if they see a misbehaving child that that means you're a bad parent. We've talked about this a little bit about like when you're going to take your kid out to like a grocery store or something like that. But I think it's a little bit different when You feel that from people that are closer in your inner circle, like if it's coming from like a parent or coming from like a cousin or a sibling that you feel close to, that usually cuts a little deeper.
1: But I also think that, I mean, maybe it's just me and my perspective. I feel that even like the movie industry and TV shows kind of are to blame a little bit as as far as perpetuating this cycle. Because like in TV shows and movies, when you have a screaming kid, you have the parent, okay, okay, here, have whatever you're crying about. I'll give it to you. You can have whatever you want. It's almost an ongoing joke of whenever you see a child in a TV show or a movie that's crying and they want something. The parent is immediately giving in and it's kind of like, okay, who's really in control of that relationship? So I do slightly think that when people do encounter that, they almost subconsciously have that in the back of their mind and they just immediately jump to, oh, okay, the parents are probably just spoiling that child.
0: Right. So it all kind of just like boils down to ignorance as being the root cause. And I don't mean ignorance like they're stupid or anything like that. I mean, ignorance in a literal sense, like they are not aware of what autism really means or they're not aware of how certain behaviors are actually directly linked to the fact that your child is autistic rather than misbehavior.
1: Sure. It's kind of a you don't know what you don't know because you haven't walked that path or had constant exposure to the situations that we have.
0: And I think the bigger problem comes when you're dealing with people who are kind of like stubborn and not willing to accept that there's an alternate explanation There are some people that you try to explain to them, no, my kid's autistic. They have X, Y, and Z characteristics that look like misbehavior. There's some people who get stuck in that and are like, "Uh uh-huh, sure, you're just trying to excuse bad parenting. But for the most part, I have found that really, if you're able to educate that other person, they usually will then change their minds about the situation. But when I say educate, I don't mean confronting in an argumentative way. Yelling at them. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know that for me, I definitely would get really upset if I saw somebody basically calling my kid a brat or misbehaving or anything like that particularly in public when they don't even know your child and they make these quick judgments based off of maybe them having a meltdown at the grocery store. I know that my instinct is to get like an adrenaline rush and get really upset, but that is not an effective tool. So like what would result from that could be me telling the person off. It could be me making a smart comment. It could be getting aggressive towards that person, which is what I see in the online community, parent community, that a lot of people do do. A lot of moms in the community I've seen are basically dealing with this in public and they get mad and they like tell off the person. And I mean, I don't think those emotions are wrong. I think those emotions are very valid. I've been there. I get it. But when I look at these interactions, I like to see them as opportunities instead of a bad thing that happened to me or my child. So I like to take these as like little moments where you can teach the public and advocate for your child and be part of that change. But we have to be able to suck up that negative feeling that we're feeling in that moment so that we can give this person an opportunity to learn in a way that's more kind and I guess more effective in that sense, if that makes sense. Sure.
1: I think you have to have thick enough skin to basically kind of comfort yourself in knowing I am still a good parent. I am doing what is best for my child. The judgment of this person does not impact me as a parent. So I think you have to have a little bit more self-confidence to basically be like, okay, this person their judgment of me as a parent is not going to ruin my day. I am a good parent. I know what I'm doing is right. And I know my child better than anyone else. So you kind of just have to kind of like let it just kind of roll off your shoulders, kind of be like, okay, moving on to the next thing and just kind of keep going. Maybe take deep breaths and just try and focus on, okay, things are going to get better. This is just one bad situation, but it should not destroy the rest of your day.
0: And if you feel like you're the type of person that has a hard time with that, like when you're in the moment and you're feeling like really upset and you just, there's no way you can be nice to that person right then and there. I totally get it. That's extremely human. That's very natural to feel that way. Well, I didn't say being nice. (laughs) Right. But I'm saying if you find yourself in one of these situations and you don't feel like you're capable of having that conversation with that person one of the things that you can do to prepare in advance is kind of create a little cheat sheet for yourself. And I've actually thought about doing this for myself, but you can essentially just create a Word document in business card format. Or if you want to be fancy, you can print it off of vistaprint.com and just put on there like a little message that says something to the extent of my child's not misbehaving. They're dealing with a medical condition that impacts what you may see as behavior. Please be patient and understanding of my child as they are special." needs or whatever it is that you would want to put on that message. I personally would be careful not to divulge too much private medical information, just because that's who I am. I know some people are okay with that. I don't like to disclose my kids' private medical information to the world, which is, again, why we keep them anonymous. I would just put in the basics of what's needed. And that's basically like, my kid is not trying to be a brat. They are having a difficult situation right now because they have a behavioral problem that makes it hard for them to process X, Y, and Z. This is difficult for them, and I'm proud of them for trying as hard as they are and And the fact that they are trying to go out despite having all these issues, please don't judge, please be kind, that sort of thing. And then whenever you get into these situations, you don't even have to talk to the person. You don't have to engage with the person. Just pull out the card, give it to them. And I feel like it'll do two things. One is they're not going to expect that. So I think it'll diffuse the situation right away because A, it was not expected. B, they will suddenly realize that this is something that you must frequently run into because you came prepared with like a business card, which I think would make them feel even worse because they would be like, oh, this person runs into this problem so frequently that they have a business card about this. And I feel like they'd probably get embarrassed, honestly. Right. And I think, I
1: mean, if you do go this route, your typical parent who doesn't struggle with this isn't going to make an effort to create business cards. Even, I mean, if they're, say, their kid is misbehaving or spoiled, why would this parent go through that much effort to basically create a situation to kind of say, my child isn't misbehaving. So it's like, no one would actually do this unless this was actually a necessary situation to do it, in which case it is, and therefore it it works.
0: On the card, I would offer like an open hand type of thing or an open hand gesture where you're basically saying, I'd be happy to refer you to resources or whatever if you want to be educated on this topic, but say that in like a polite way, then that kind of opens up the door for conversation in the future, just in case that person does have a change of heart. If you're not comfortable with any of that, then I would say the best suggestion is just to try to stay cool and disengage with that person. If you don't feel like you're in a space where you would be able to do that and in a and calm way. In terms of being able to avoid these situations, I honestly don't think there's a great way to be able to avoid these situations because humans are unpredictable. You don't know who's going to say what when, but what you can do is help with avoiding it from escalating or getting to a point where you then feel heated or you feel really upset or maybe your child saw what was happening and they get triggered basically what you're trying to do is just avoid a spiraling situation from occurring. And I feel like the best way to do that, honestly, is again, to disengage if you feel like it's going the wrong way. More so for
1: me, depending on which girl it is, if it's either a meltdown that we're contending with, or if it's they get scared from something, I, I basically just kind of see if I can take them out of the situation. So if they're upset, I just kind of walk out regardless of whatever anyone's saying, or I mean, I basically don't engage with anyone. I just walk out to the door. Like if my youngest is scared that something happened that was loud or something, I just kind of cover her ears a little bit and just kind of walk towards the door where it's more quiet.
0: Yeah. And I mean, depending on your personality type, like if you're the type of person who likes to deal with things in humor like we do, perhaps you could just nip it in the bud and start it off with humor, like wearing a t-shirt that just calls it out. So they're like, yeah, I'm a bad parent. I get it. You know, like just something just like random. And like if you show that like you don't care that they don't care. Obviously, I don't actually think you're a bad parent. Like, that's a sarcastic shirt. Yeah, that's the that's the joke of the shirt. Who knows if they'd get it? But, you know, I'm the type of person that's like, if somebody's going to try to make fun of me, then I'll do it first because I think that that disarms the joke. Because they no longer have any ammo because I don't find it funny. I don't find it, like, bullying if they're doing it. I think I'm clever for coming up with it first. Plus, of
1: course, if you say it before they say it, then... They, they can't, they say, can't it. say it. <laughs> so it's like... Yeah. What are they going to repeat back to you, what you already are establishing? It just sounds kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah, so it,
0: it kind of depends on your personality style and your parenting style. Like, Are you the type of person who deals with conflict and humor? Are you the type of person who really gets passionate and really needs to step away and like breathe for a moment? Are you the kind of person that gets really sad? Are you the person who freezes? Depending on what your personality trait is and what you do, you'll have to pivot and figure out what's the best way for you educating politely is always a good way to go if you can. If that person starts engaging in a conversation with you, I feel like that gives you the right to engage back with some knowledge. I wouldn't necessarily just go out of my way to engage with somebody who's perhaps staring at my child while they're having a meltdown because you're kind of starting something that perhaps doesn't need to be started.
1: And hopefully you're able to kind of read the room a little bit. I mean, if someone is clearly not open to any type of discussion or empathy or anything along those lines, I wouldn't even try and engage with them. If it's... It's a college or high school kid who's basically just trying to like mock you as a bad parent. I mean, I'm just using this as an example. Right. I wouldn't try and engage with them in dialogue because that's clearly not what they're doing. They're trying to make a joke of the situation. So I would just avoid altogether.
0: Yeah. So basically, it just really does depend on what you and your personal personality and preferences. I tend to lean more intuitively towards educating the person. That's what I just instinctively lean towards because... I want to be able to like kindly and empathetically help that person understand what my kid is going through and help them come out of that conversation as like a wiser, smarter person when it comes to autism, help them learn something that perhaps they didn't know before. I don't really see the point of getting upset or aggressive with them because I know that that's not going to communicate my point. If I get upset or I get aggressive when they leave that conversation, I will not have done my child a disservice because my child will still be in a world where the same amount of people still think of autism in the same way that they did before that, hey, you're just a misbehaving, spoiled kid. But if I take the potential of that argument and turn it into an opportunity for a discussion that opens some doors and helps with advocacy, it can actually end up helping your child because you could potentially have converted one more person in the community who could then move on to tell other people in the future.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree that if having these types of conversations, if you're going to get worked up and enraged by this person, it's not worth to engage because you are basically escalating the situation. Okay, you're getting upset with this person, but after that conversation's already done, you're already worked up and you have your child who's upset. So it's not going to calm you down working through a meltdown when you're already upset and frustrated with the situation that was ultimately created.
0: Depending on what point in time this happens, if this person is approaching you because your child is mid meltdown, chances are you're already at that tipping point where you're already like about to lose it and you're really frustrated and you're just really upset and frazzled. When that's the point at which I'm at, I definitely don't want to engage with somebody because I know that I will say something I don't mean or I'll act in a way I don't want to be acting, even though I know that I'm at a point where I feel like, oh my gosh, I just need to like get this off my chest. And if anybody says anything, I'm totally going to go for it actually the moment where you should step back because your kid is there and escalating things, especially mid meltdown will probably just make that meltdown worse. Anyway, personally, I just try really hard to step back on that. Maybe go back to the car or go back home or go go to a quiet place where both of you can like regulate and you can focus on helping your child self regulate to get that meltdown situation back down.
1: And that's the primary goal. You want to try and make sure your child is taken care of. So rather than going on like a rant or, or rampage, <laughs> hopefully not a rampage, uh, <laughs> kind of refocus your efforts into making sure, oh, okay, my child is okay and taken care of and in a comfortable state of mind and they're not getting sensory overload or anything like that. And I mean, then from there, once they're taken care of, then if you wanted to have a discussion, then obviously by all means.
0: Now with that all said, I do want to emphasize that this is in no way shape or form to invalidate what you're feeling during those moments. Because Those moments are real, they're raw, they're part of the experience of raising a child who's autistic, and there's nothing wrong with feeling frustration or anger. I would honestly consider that righteous anger, which basically means you're in the right for being angry in that situation, like you have every right to be angry because you're being angry for the right reasons. So I do think that it's okay to be angry, it's okay to feel those feelings. There's absolutely nothing wrong with feeling upset, frustrated, furious even, that people People are not believing your child's diagnosis, that they're just basically saying your child's bad kid or whatever it may be, that experience is authentic and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I just basically want to emphasize that part because I don't want you as the parent to feel guilty afterwards because you felt those feelings. There's nothing wrong with feeling those feelings. The only problem is when we escalate those feelings and then start acting in a way that perhaps is not best. With our kids, I definitely try to be as best of an example as I can for them. And I try to just hyperfocus. Focus on them. And that's what really helps me snap out of it. So if somebody is heckling me or heckling my kid, the thing that makes it easy for me is shifting my attention to my child and basically zoning out the world. So kind of like tunnel visioning in on my kid and the fact that they are having a meltdown, they are struggling and the rest doesn't matter. When your kid is struggling and they're crying and they're having a sensory meltdown or something's wrong, The rest of the world doesn't matter. They can literally, they can just disappear, like bug off. I don't care. I'm here working on helping my child self-regulate and getting them back to a peaceful state where they are okay.
1: Yeah, I completely agree that your child is your main focus. There's so many stores that I have kind of picked up our girls as they've been crying and just walking through the exit. I am sure that there were many eyes on me. I'm sure that many things were said after I was outside those doors, but I didn't care. I mean, my goal was basically to get them through the exit and get them to the car and kind of get them back to a neutral state. I'm sure people probably had conversations about, oh, that's a bad father and no, oh, his daughter should know better. But I mean, I don't care. <laughs> At the end of the day, I don't really care what a random person who I'm never going to see again thinks.
0: These people know nothing about your child or your situation. So why do we or why should we take what they say into serious consideration? I don't think we really need to. It's harder when it's a family member or somebody that you love or trust. I know that those situations are definitely more challenging. And when it comes to those situations, what we have done is just constantly try to just educate them politely. So we might send them YouTube videos about talks about autism. We might send them an email article talking about what is the difference between a tantrum and a meltdown. We might send them an episode of our podcast where we talk about the difference <laughs> between a, meltdown and a tantrum. Yeah. So like, I think that when it comes to people that you actually care about and that you care about their opinions and you care about how they feel about your child, that's where you have to have more of those like vulnerable conversations where you're just being really honest with them and trying to educate them as kindly as possible. If you approach a person with like an attitude, they just shut down. Like at that point, they arm themselves and their walls are up and it's a lot harder to get through to them. So if we can be vulnerable with them, they're more likely to be vulnerable with us.
1: And the other thing to remember is these people are likely catching you and your child on the worst possible part of the day for you and your child. Our kids are lovely. I mean, I freaking love them. Like they're fantastic, <laughs> funny, sweet, little caring girls. If the world sees them any other time, they'd love them too. So I try not to get pinned down for the five seconds where they're struggling. So I think we have to remember our kids are great. You love your kids. They're great. You shouldn't worry about people judging them for five seconds that they're having a bad day.
0: It reminds me of, like, people who struggle from Tourette's, and then they will go around publicly saying, like, swear words. That's a stereotype. It's not always a swear word, but sometimes it is. like a little tick. Right. And, like, people just assume that they're just, like, a foul-mouthed bad person. And if a parent has a child who's doing that, then they think you're a bad parent because your kid is swearing. So just think about that situation and put yourselves in their shoes. If you were going to a store and you saw a kid in like a shopping cart and they're like seven and they were going around swearing like a sailor, you would probably instinctively judge that parent and be like, wow, I can't believe they let their kid get away with that. But perhaps you didn't know that kid was actually suffering from Tourette's and they couldn't control that. We've all done it. Like we've all been in that situation where we've kind of subconsciously judged somebody or somebody for their parenting. I know for me, for sure, before having an autistic kid, I definitely judged parenting far more than I do now because now I'm aware that, oh wait, there could be a different reason for that behavior. But in all honesty, before my kids were diagnosed, that thought never crossed my mind. I never thought if somebody was having a meltdown at the store, I never thought it could be medically related. I always thought it must be some sort of like tantrum So from going in that experience and experiencing what that's like beforehand to now having autistic kids, I've learned to be much more empathetic with other people who act that way with my kids because I've been there. I get what it's like.
1: Right. And if you've had that thought, who knows how many others are having the exact same thought because they don't know what they don't know.
0: Exactly. So that's pretty much all we have for you. But be kind to yourself. Be kind to others and focus on what really matters, which is you and your child and making sure that he is or she is safe and comfortable.
1: Yep. Hang in there. You're doing great.
0: Have a great one, everyone. Bye. Bye. In summary, we discussed how sometimes the best solution to outside judgment of your child's behavior is to simply walk away. If you prefer advocacy, it may be a good idea to create and have autism educational tools such as informational cards on hand to give out to those who judge a child. Lastly, we also noted that every parent has their own unique personality and style, and what works for one may not work for another. So do what you feel most comfortable with while still trying to remain cordial in your advocacy. Join us next week as we open up about the sense of guilt that follows us as parents when we learn about our child's autism diagnosis. We answer questions such as, what do I do if I feel guilty that my child was diagnosed with autism? How do I know it's not my fault? Did I make a mistake by having my child vaccinated? This is Embracing Autism.